If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. If we decided on creating new innovation, we could do it. If we were interested in creating change, we could do it. So I thought, you know, there was a role for the for the food industry and the cosmetic industry to play in terms of creating new solutions. What are some of the palm oil industry's major threats that we need to know about? And how did we get to this point where palm oil seems to be lurking in so many different consumer products without you and I even necessarily knowing? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. Green Dreamer is supported by our listener patrons and Buns, a community where people meet every day to trade things like clothing, houseplants, furniture, and art. You can check it out first by downloading the app Buns, spelled B-U-N-Z, on your smartphone, and I'll tell you more shortly. For now to our conversation with Maria Abadila, the founder and chairperson of the Orangutan Alliance, which is an independent nonprofit organization promoting the reduction of non-sustainable palm oil in consumer products through their palm oil-free certification program. Green Dreamer, if you're ready, take a deep breath and let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Look, I've always been a um, keen traveler. I've worked around the world And I've got a really strong affinity for nature and also culture. My entry into palm oil was really a mixture of seeing what was happening in um, Indonesia and Malaysia. I've actually lived in, in those places myself. And also seeing, you know, the devastating things that was happening in the news. You know, I was living in Malaysia at the time as well when they had all that smog from the from the peat burning. So Having worked in the food industry and having experienced firsthand the issue of deforestation, biodiversity loss, living in those countries, I thought it was time that someone actually did something about it in terms of giving consumers solutions. 
So you had seen firsthand the effects of unsustainable palm oil development on people, on the environment, and of course on endangered species. Can you speak about maybe one of the most impactful personal experiences you had? Something that you witnessed that really moved you into action to starting Orangutan Alliance? It was a couple of things. One is, you know, I followed quite a lot of environmental news online and I could see what was happening around me in terms of having witnessed the fires myself. You know, one of the things I thought about was this is not going to stop if there was no pressure that we put in as consumers. And during that time, consumers also felt very disempowered because they would see photos of orangutans, you know, the fires, the issues in terms of communities, and they couldn't do anything about it. I was working in the food industry and I knew that if we decided on creating new innovation, we could do it. If we were interested in creating change, we could do it. So I thought, you know, there was a role for the for the food industry and the cosmetic industry to play in terms of creating new solutions. Most conscious consumers likely already have heard about how palm oil is driving deforestation around the world, but I'd love for us to get back to the basics. So what exactly is the issue with palm oil today and what are the main threats caused by the industry? There are several major threats caused um, by non-sustainable palm oil. Firstly, the destruction of natural ecosystems. You know, there's habitat loss leading to wildlife displacement. So when you burn forests or you clear forests, there's nothing left, you know, from the trees all the way to, to the insects that live in that forest. Animals have to move away from where they would normally live. It also affects human rights violations, whether that's workers' rights or whether it's a land-grabbing issue with communities. And also it has an issue that affects all of us, which is climate change. Can you speak more about the human rights violations and how this is tied to the industry? Palm oil, while it's grown in Asia, most of it's grown in Asia, it's also grown in other parts of the world, in, in South America and also in Africa. Forced labour has been, uh, you know, reported in the industry, not just forced labour, but also land grabbing. So you you can see in the news where communities are actually protesting against land being taken, you know, from their communities for for palm oil plantation. And they've got no recourse in this issue and they're not often listened to. So there's a lot of issues in terms of Indigenous rights, but also labour issues. Mm. So locally, for example, in Indonesia and Malaysia, the people who live locally alongside of or inside of these natural ecosystems, they don't want this deforestation happening. So is it the palm oil corporations that are going in there to take over? Palm oil for some communities, you know, you know, assist them. Uh, however, a majority of, of palm oil development is actually done by major corporations. You know, they, they purchase the land and they develop the land. It's a small percentage uh, smallholders. Palm oil is a commodity. You know, it's um, cheap to produce, but there is an environmental cost of production. A lot of palm oil plantations are actually owned by very large corporations. And as consumers, we're an important part of that solution because when we create that demand, you know, for that commodity, then obviously there's a demand for continuing to develop that industry. And sometimes the development impacts on, on communities and and a lot of times it impacts biodiversity. Do we know if these 
corporations are owned by people native to these countries or are they owned by like people elsewhere? I think it's a mixture of both. There's investments from major banks that are um, both in the countries where where plant sustainable palm oil is grown, but also externally. So there's responsibilities both within the countries that it's produced, but also investment from countries that we may live in. And how about orangutans? So what is their place in this issue? And you've named your nonprofit after them? For us, Orangutan Alliance, the orangutans is basically, it's the poster image of of what's happening in the non-sustainable palm oil industry. But there's thousands of other animals are actually affected by this issue. Why orangutans are important is because when you save the orangutan, you actually save ecosystems. You know, orangutans are of an ecological significance. They're a keystone species. They assist in in a lot of things for the forest. So they assist with spreading seeds and and fruit around the forest, but they also help with um, basically the forest in terms of photosynthesis. And when you protect an orangutan, you actually protect not just the forest, but other species. Well, today, palm oil accounts for 35% of world edible vegetable oil production, with 85% of this coming from Indonesia and Malaysia. And it's used in about 50% of packaged goods that consumers purchase in supermarkets and shops. That is a really shockingly high number. So what are some examples of products that contain palm oil that we need to know? Palm oil is in, in a lot of products, but it's also in our biofuel. So in terms of products, it can be in our ice cream, it can be in toothpaste, shampoo, a lot of bakery goods, so donuts, bread. It can also be in, in baby food. So, so it's in quite a lot of items. But in terms of cosmetics, it can be in lipstick, foundation, it can be in you know hand and body lotions. So it's in quite a lot of products that we use every day. To my understanding, one of the key issues here is that palm oil isn't necessarily labeled as palm oil in the ingredients list because there are a lot of other names that this can be hidden under. Can you talk a little more about this? Yes. So in some countries, the labeling regulations mean that they do not necessarily need to declare that palm oil needs to be on on pack. So it's very hard for consumers to to understand whether it's, you know, if they're taking either an environmental stance or they're taking a personal health choice stance, it's hard for them to to know if palm oil is there. But even more worrying is countries that actually say that something is palm oil free. Sometimes without proper checks, a product may say it's palm oil free, but it, it does have palm oil. So Mm. there's this transparency issue in terms of goods and cosmetics. The oil palm tree is native to West Africa. So it's like any other plant species. It's not the tree itself that is problematic. It's our exploitation and over-commodifying of the tree. So looking back, can you walk us through how we got from palm oil being used locally and maybe actually sustainably within West Africa to this point of exerting so much demand on it, that entire living and breathing rainforest within Africa and also on other continents where it's not native to, how do we get to this point where lively forests are being stripped and converted into almost lifeless palm oil plantations? 
palm oil is basically a monoculture. So it's used, you know, as we said, in terms of cosmetics and the chemical industry and also food industries. And it's very efficient to produce. So you could get quite a lot of oil from one palm tree. And in the early years, they've discovered that it can actually grow in the equatorial region. So you can produce a lot of it in warm countries. And so they've brought it in from West Africa and brought it into countries in South America, in Asia, that is prime for producing, you know, the palm fruit. And the problem with that is a lot of these areas where the palm tree is is planted, you know, are very close to rainforests or or end up taking over rainforest land. So it impacts and destroys the biodiversity in those areas, but it also takes over the whole landscape. I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a photo of a palm oil plantation, but nothing else grows next to it, basically. I mean, it's it's hard to, to see other plants growing next to it or um, other animals, you know, that can live next to it. Mm. It feels like an eerie picture to to imagine and to envision. So since these are monocultures, are there also issues with a lot of chemical inputs being used? Yes, so there's several issues with a monoculture. One is chemical use, particularly if there's chemical use next to rivers. You know, they they sometimes plant palm or quite close to riverbanks and that impacts local communities. But also there's issues in terms of soil erosion. So previously you had quite a lot of trees that were growing in, in a forest and then when it's replaced by a monoculture, you know, you have forest coverage in that space. So soil erosion is also an issue in those places where it's grown. It feels like to me the way that multinational corporations operate using one-size-fits-all solutions to creating their mass-manufactured products really has driven in part this biodiversity loss and also the loss of native knowledge on each bioregion because instead of understanding the limits of what a bioregion can sustainably produce and instead of exploring all the different types of vegetable oils from native plants from around the world, they found one that worked really well, palm oil, and then suddenly instead of palm oil being used responsibly by the local people in West Africa to try to keep up with demand and to manufacture packaged goods that they want to feed the global population with, they suddenly drove up this demand for palm oil to obscene amounts that nature just can't sustain. So what are your thoughts on the compatibility of multinational corporations that mass produce their products they want to sell to the global population with our natural native ecosystems that differ in every region? Like, can these huge manufacturers even exist, quote unquote, sustainably, given how they operate? I think consumers are an important part of the solution because we create the demand. You know, the conservationists are there doing a lot of hard work in terms of protecting and also, you know, saving species. But we have basically created that demand. And part of that is because we're so removed in our food. It's not until recently we've started questioning where, you know, our food and cosmetics came from. So I think it's with that understanding that if we create that demand, then it's important that we send a message to say that we want sustainably sourced products, we want alternatives to what's currently being produced by this, these, you know, larger corporations. 
And I really truly believe that if we are interested in creating change rather than paying lip service, we can, you know. There's people already looking at creating alternatives that are not grown in the equatorial region that that would impact deforestation you know so we've seen alternatives you know from algae to coffee waste that people are exploring in terms of alternative and i think that's where the solution lies firstly is you know consumers wanting sustainable op- options and also demanding change in the way things are now but the other thing is creating alternative economies and alternative solutions that have less impact. For me, it's just really baffling how, in the name of cheap palm oil production, we destroy our really biodiverse ecosystems that have evolved for thousands, hundreds of thousands or longer in terms of their their years, because biodiversity takes this long to evolve and develop, and that is the value in uh, native ecosystems. So taking all of that away, it's it's irreplaceable. Yeah. In light of this, what stands out to you as the primary reasons that we're unable to just see the true value in intact ecosystems and having our economy reflect that? You know, for some it's it's because of economic returns. And they see that nature is, you know, is a source of their income and and it's that kind of mindset that's really, you know, destroying the planet. If we change that mindset into, you know, nature is actually, uh, protecting nature is actually good for the economy and good for the planet, then we don't have this mindset where we just take and and, and not replace. Because we do, in our economy, monetary value seems to be really important. So how can we build the inherent value of living intact ecosystems into our economic model? One thing that I can see is there's there's a change in terms of consumers. More and more I can see in terms of the research that people are more concerned about where their food is coming from, how it's sourced, whether it's cruelty-free, whether it's plastic-free. So I think this next generation, you know, shows some promise in terms of what they're asking businesses to create for them, whether they are supporting businesses that do more than just sell. You know, there's now new models of products being sold where it gives back to endangered species or it, it it's 100% recyclable. So I think the more that we reward businesses that do business that way, the more that we can create change in terms of, you know, how the future will hold for the next generation. Mm. And when we're talking about this globalized economy, what challenges come from us having a complex global supply chain for palm oil when we're wanting to stop further deforestation for it? Because I'm assuming that regulations and laws may differ in different countries. So what are some challenges there and how can we go about this? Look, I think there's several challenges when it comes to palm oil. First of all is, you know, countries rely on it as a major export so I think it's all about empowering those communities. It's diversifying, you know, helping local communities, whether that's ecotourism or or forest economies, because you can't take away something. These people are highly reliant on it in, in terms of their economy. So creating ecotourism or alternatives means of economy where it's a lot more sustainable is probably the future for them. Mm. Well, ecotourism sounds like an amazing way to show that there is more value in having an existing living ecosystem that people can go in to observe and see, 
instead of extract from the land. Definitely, yes. And finally, I want to go into solutions. <laughs> so, consumer awareness, political action, enforcing regulations, or businesses exerting more pressure on their suppliers in the supply chain. What do you think we need most that will be the most effective? The first of all, I think awareness is really important because、um, if we are so removed from the supply chain, we don't know what happens down the track. You know, a lot of people don't don't understand the palm oil issue extensively, and and they don't know how they can help. So awareness is important, and that awareness then turns to I choose to to either go a certain way in terms of my purchase habits and demand or、um, sustainable alternatives. The next thing is. Also, investment into solutions. So, whether that's policy change in terms of governments or investment into creating sustainable oils or alternative oils that do not need to be grown in the equatorial region, investment into people like Revive Eco that have actually looking into using coffee waste as a as an oil alternative. And the ne- the next thing is really supporting conservation and and helping them in terms of what they do. So, us giving up non sustainable palm oil today does not necessarily mean we can create massive impact tomorrow. We also need to help conservationists do what they are doing today. So whether that's through a donation, also finally is you know supporting groups like us. That work in terms of education and and transformation in this industry. In terms of consumer awareness, since there are over two hundred different names for palm oil, what are your suggestions for us in terms of how we can ensure that we are not contributing to deforestation for palm oil? There's,、um, you know, palm oil free certifications around, like Orangutan Alliance, but also if you look at demand, if you look at Europe. They actually now have categories in supermarkets that allow you to shop palm oil free, so it's very easy for you to to see which ones palm oil free or not. And that came from consumer demand, you know, consumer demand in supermarkets、um, responding or online shops responding. So so now there's categories where you can actually shop palm oil free, just like you could shop vegan or organic. And in the US, you know, you should be able to also see、um, whether palm oil is in in some of your products. But you know, talk to to your retailers and and see if they can int- introduce a palm oil free category、mm-hmm. or a sustainably sourced category. And finally, I'd love for you to share your vision of a future where our irreplaceable forests and endangered forests are safeguarded from any sorts of land conversion or extraction, whether for palm oil or for other natural resources. What does this picture look like to you, and what do you think we need most to be able to get there? You know, there's a nice quote by Greta Thunberg, and I and I really admire what she's done. You know, in terms of rallying. People around the world, and one of the things that she has said is, until you start focusing on what needs to be done rather than what is politically possible, there is no hope. We can't solve a crisis without treating it as a crisis, and I think that goes for plastic, that goes for climate change, and that goes for non-sustainable palm oil. We really need. Not just to rely on sustainable palm oil, but to actually create other alternatives, so that we don't have one pressure in terms of one commodity, and and these areas that basically once you burn the forest, it it emits you know high carbon emissions. So looking at alternatives 
and investing in alternatives is really important right now and we really need to address this as an industry. Mm. So basically to be able to maintain and realize a world that is extremely biodiverse, we also can't ever rely too much on any one resource. We have to diversify that as well. Yes, and also, you know, create new economies that are more sustainable. Have you downloaded the Buns app yet that I've been telling you about? Besides the fact that we can meet like-minded people near us and trade things like clothing, art, furniture, or plants through the app, we can also earn its currency called bits. So if someone wants an item that you've posted but you don't want anything they have so you can't trade, you can also accept bits coins instead. There are also daily short surveys that you can take from within the app that will also allow you to earn bits. With this currency, you can then go on to purchase things that you want from other people or you can spend it at an increasing number of real-life local partnering businesses. So the more people we have on this free app, the more powerful we'll be in establishing communities of trade and also in getting more local businesses to accept our bids coins. To check it out and join the fun, just search for Buns in the App Store and hit download. And here's a pro tip. Share Buns with your friends through the app and for every friend that signs up, they'll earn 100 bits and you'll also earn 100 bits as well. See you there soon and for now, to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow? I love documentaries. So, you know, I'm always watching documentaries, whether that's David Attenborough or, or different film festivals that I go to. So they inspire me because it shows me all the different people that are working on conservation, but, you know, different groups that actually come together to try and create a different world. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I tell myself every day that, you know, I can be one ripple, but when you've got several ripples, you can create a wave of change. What's one thing you're working on right now for your health? More meditation, so more quiet time and reflection, because we're often really quite busy in, you know, having time to just breathe and, and think clearly is really important. What's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? I don't think there's one thing. <laughs> I think everyone yeah. needs to work on several things from plastic free to food waste and also supporting different groups, you know, that are working on climate change, you know, and, and our work in terms of encouraging deforestation free alternatives. You know, there's, there's quite a few that I think we all need to work on right now. What makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment? What makes me hopeful is actually the, the, the wave of change that I'm seeing, the, the fact that people are taking action and they are rallying together to create change and communicating that to governments, to industry, and, um, you know, making a massive impact. Well, this has been deeply insightful. I learned a ton and I'm sure our listener did as well. So we would, of course, love to keep learning from you. Where can we follow and support Orangutan Alliance and you online? Please um, follow us at, at Orangutan Alliance is our um, social media handles on Instagram, Facebook, and also Twitter. And check out our website, www.orangutanalliance.org. We have a form, you know, if you wanted to join our movement and understand our current campaigns, please sign up. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers? If you think you can, you can. So create change, create the world that you want to be for your generation. Let's create the world we want to live in for our generation. 
Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you to our patrons for your ongoing support. To access my key takeaways and call to action suggestions deduced from each episode, as well as sometimes extensions of these conversations, join me on Patreon by going to greendreamer.com/support. I also recently started Green Dreamer on YouTube. You can subscribe to it by going to greendreamer.com/youtube, and do feel welcome as always to send me suggestions on topics you like me to explore there. Whether you're able to become a patron. Share Green Dreamer with friends, or write a review of what you're enjoying in the podcast app. Thank you for whatever you're able to contribute. Every little bit really helps to be able to keep Green Dreamer going as an independent platform. Finally, as we're wrapping up, just remember: now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe, and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.